It is Wednesday, February 8th. How are you, Dan Nathan? 1 p.m. on the East Coast Market Call. Ranger Hockey tonight. The Vancouver Canucks are in town. That's their East Coast swing. Uh, played the Devils well the other night. Down 4-1. Tied it. Lost in overtime. Playing the Rangers tonight. JT Miller making his return, Dan, as you know, to Madison Square Garden. But you don't care. This Market Call, of course, brought to you by FactSet. Financial data and analytics that are, in fact, powered by tomorrow. I'm powered by the notion that today is Wednesday, meaning we're halfway home. Although I will tell you, for some reason, this week has felt like an absolute eternity to me. And it's only hump day. Hey, listen, just for our listeners, our viewers right now, check out a webinar that we did with some experts from FactSet this morning. It was live, but it is on our YouTube page. Uh, you know where that to find that risk reversal media and smash that subscribe button. Just smash, smash it, right? it. Because we that's this is where we broadcast market call. But we had a great conversation smash with three FactSet experts, John Butters, you know, the man. The myth, the legend. He is, uh, you know, he writes that earnings insight blog. We also had Matthew Haggerty and Eli Reisman. We talked energy. We talked ESG. It was a great conversation. It was 30 minutes, very digestible. So check um, that out. All right, guy, right out of the gate, I thought I'd get y'all tuned up. You know, yesterday, yesterday, we were doing market call as Fed chair Powell was speaking. I basically made a bold call saying, I think the market's going to be down in an hour. And it did go down, but briefly. And I had a very good short-term trade in the NASDAQ and the QQQ. Um, and then it went poof. It like literally went away. I literally thought we were in business. That was the blow-off top that we needed. And that's how it started. Now let's just throw up a three-day chart of that NASDAQ just to show where we are. We're kind of back to the levels of where we were talking yesterday um, at this time, but the price action has been a little, it's been erratic to say the least. And this is the thing that's going to get you all tuned up. I saw this on the Axios uh, macro feed and I like Axios and I like the work that they do, but I said, um, let's throw this slide up here. We're talking about the, ah. look what I did. Dueling. Now, you've often said, what is the Fed's dual mandate that you often suggest? The Fed's dual mandate has clearly been uh, to make sure both the NASDAQ and the S&P 500 go higher. And for a long period of time, they not only excelled in that mandate, but they defied logic. They beat all expectations. So bully for them uh, with that dual mandate, Dan. Yeah. And and and, and again, so I just thought it's interesting because we know that the real dual mandate is, uh, is, is, is stable prices and full yeah. employment. Now, here's the deal. They have full employment. I mean, like they have full employment here. Right. But it's that stable prices thing. Right. Inflation has been all over the uh, all over the place here. You know, they keep talking about disinflation. But we keep seeing signs that inflation is going to be what you started calling it. I think at some point in the spring of 2022, pesky and persistent. Mm -hmm. Is that what you called it? It's going to be. I did call it pesky and persistent. Yeah. I mean, and quite frankly, that's exactly what it has been. And you mentioned yesterday, you know, again, not to dogpile on the Federal Reserve because that's, you know, it's one of my favorite games, but you actually thought that this year you might see a reacceleration. And under the surface, we're starting to see exactly that. So, Look, the markets have behaved extraordinarily well since the beginning of December. I, I happen to think, and you know I'm not a fan, but I do think Jerome Powell, um, until a couple of the recent interviews that he's done, has done a pretty good job in telegraphing or just speaking market talk. But there's still a lot of work to be done here without yeah. question. So we'll see. A market right now, though, I mean, it's all systems. I mean, today notwithstanding, nothing's really happening. I mean, it's all systems go. 
Yeah, but all right. So here's the thing. And this is why I'm kind of dogpiling on the Fed over the last couple of weeks. I I was always the guy to push back a little bit. I think what they're doing is really dangerous. I think what they are basically allowing to have out. And and again, am I talking my book? Yes, I am. Okay. But I just like the, the fact that they have let the most risky assets, okay, in the market kind of just kind of reflate here after so much wood was chopped last year. We know that they don't want, you know, like asset bubbles. It doesn't help their cause. And I guess it's the, it's kind of the semantics around financial conditions in which Powell last week at his presser and has continued just to kind of let float because they're talking about how tight they are. And, and in fact, this is in the uh, the Axios piece, and we've been talking about this, financial conditions have loosened since the fall. That's right. A 16% rise in the S&P 500. And, you know, when you think about all of that, that's not helping their cause here. And I just don't know why they won't be more specific here. And I don't know why investors are not taking them at face value when they say, listen, if we are data dependent and we see reflation in inflationary readings, that rates might go higher than where you think. Why are we buying stocks on those headlines, guy? I'm not sure. And, you know, I made it I made it into a math problem. I'll spare you here. But I'm not really quite sure what people are looking at. Because, again, if you, if you back out all the Fed nonsense and just take put them on the back burner for a period of time, and the backdrop just isn't particularly good. I mean, again, you see layoffs are coming. Margins are contracting. Um, e- revenue growth is contracting. And for a lot of people, EPS has been disappointing. We had a great conversation with Butters earlier illustrating exactly that. And at this environment, at 4150, I think that's where the 4130 in the S&P, I mean, even if you just put a market multiple, 17 and a half, 18 multiple on that, the market is basically saying we have about $231 worth of earnings. And we're not even close to that. And by the way, an 18 multiple is probably two turns too many in terms of the valuation people should be paying. So the market is expensive here, in my opinion. And we'll see if it comes, you know, if people start to come to that realization. I think what's happening, though, um, wh- whoever the incremental buyer is, and I'm not even sure if they're human beings anymore, but they're playing a little game of chicken here. You know, we're just going to ratchet these things up until you prove yourself again. And then along the way, there's a lot of money to be made. I mean, some stocks, to our, to your point, I mean, they've rallied anywhere from 45 to 120 percent over the last eight to 10 weeks, which yeah, is and, and, a remarkable move. Well, not small stocks either. I not, mean, two, no, no, no. Yeah, Significant no, no. companies. Yeah. yeah, the Tesla, the NVIDIA. I mean, they've gained hundreds of billions of dollars of market cap. Just uh, throwing that S&P chart up r- really quickly. I mean, to me, I, you know, you guys know where I stand. I'm fairly well convinced this is just the kind of run of the mill bear market rally that we have seen over the last year we got to about 20 percent. i think we see a check back to that 39.50 that's the downtrend that's that 200 day and then on the nasdaq this is the one that to me if we just look at that one year i mean the parabolic move the outperformance and carter's going to come on in a couple minutes he's going to talk about some of the relationships within the nasdaq that i think are really interesting to peel back like like the, the onion a little bit and take a look at this but i really think that this nasdaq is going to lead the way to the downside and then this is the obvious thing guy if the 10-year yield is going to start to pick up some steam here it just bounced off that 200 it didn't get there but it bounced off a support i mean that doesn't justify paying the valuations that we have right now in some of these tech stocks that's the weird thing right i mean you've seen 10-year yields have now bounced have started to go higher so you know, I can understand and I can make and I can explain why some of these high growth, high valuation names have rallied with 10 year yields, basically dropping 85 basis points from their peak 
to a certain extent, it makes sense. But if rates are going to start to go higher, one would have to think headwinds would be created. On top of which, by the way, you're talking about an inversion in the yield curve that I think I'd add to about 84 basis points or so over the last 48 hours. And it's probably either side of 80 basis points now. And as I've said 100 times here, I think it's going to negative 1%. So what does that mean for all this stuff? Um, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, that's what, you know, again, just to hammer home a point, that's why the last specifically three and a half, four months have been so confusing uh, for the market participants and from these people to look through things from the economic lens. Yeah, and then you know, the last piece of this puzzle on the macro front is the dollar. It's had a nice bounce here. Carter came on market call a couple of weeks ago, so thought it could bounce here, um, and we talked about that then. And you know, again, we did hear uh, uh, you know we're sixty percent through S and P five hundred earnings. We've still heard you know headwinds of the dollar, despite the fact it's come in um, pretty hard. Let's talk about the consumer here, guy. And you know, I thought this was kind of interesting. You know, this Chipotle Mexican Grill mm-hmm. had a massive rally. I mean, it went from. 1360 and its lows in January to as highs as as 1754, I believe. And and it traded up to the levels we saw over the fall. We talked about it on the show last night. And this is a company that people have bet against correctly at times, incorrectly at times Mm -hmm. on valuation. And the point I made last night uh, and the point that you made, I think, correctly, you were surprised it wasn't down more, number one. But what concerned me about this quarter was the fact that margins seem to be contracting. And the problem, what does that mean? It basically means you, they can't charge people much more than they've been charging people. And now if inflation, if input costs are going to continue to go up, that's just going to continue to hurt their margins. I happen to think, you know, maybe they're going to catch a break on the input cost thing, but, you know, we'll see. But if in, input costs continue to go higher and they can't pass on those costs, margins contract. You can no longer rationalize paying the valuation that it trades at, and the stock trades back down to the 200-day moving average, which I think is about 1490 or thereabouts. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, that one caught a little steam in the after hours. It was down more. It was down, you know, more than it is right now, and and they announced a 200 you know million dollar buyback or something like that. Oh, they're know. allowed to do that though. No, because they I, well, make burritos. No, I, I'm I, kidding. I don't want. To I know we, we had a little feisty conversation last night. Uh, um. On the fast money about buybacks, um, I, and I think you you make a lot of good points there, and I, I'm just kind of pushing back a, a little bit on, on on that. I mean, I think your your take is more, you know, when we have the administration kind of demonizing, you know, certain success, and 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 I think you make a good point. I just kind of I have some pushbacks on that. Listen, I'm, I'm companies want to buy back their stock and not do other things. That's fine, but look at the results that this company just kind of um, gave after the stock had that huge rally at a time where they're hiring. They announced a week or two ago they're hiring 15,000 employees. I just think it's more uh, what, what I find funny about it is investor psychology around it, how they go and buy stocks because the companies have a buyback. And look at yeah. you know Chevron announced their $75 billion buyback with without any expiration date on it. The stock sold off 10% from that announcement. Yeah. No, listen, absolutely all good conversations, but probably one people don't want to hear us opine about yet again. They want us to sort of break things down. Do you think it's time to bring him in or you have one, a couple other well, we got things? One, just, one, one, one quick thing. Because I just here, love please. the outfit that he's wearing. I just no, want I to see it, but Let, please. Let's just, let's just do this really quickly before Carter comes in because I want him to kind of opine on this though because, guy, we've been talking a little bit about, you know, it was funny. Microsoft, um, you know, they they invested in this open AI, um, this chat GPT. This is this large language model. They're integrating it in Bing. Yesterday they had 
had a demonstration um, for investors, analysts, whoever wanted to pay attention here. And, you know, they're telling a pretty good story. Um, you know, Microsoft has had a really nice run. I think to some degree, <laughs> it's been the excitement about this. Um, they've also invested a lot more in open AI. You know, Bing is not a big part of their business here, but the idea that they'll be able to integrate some of this, um, you know, AI um, across, like, let's say, you know, Office and, and a mm -hmm. bunch of other platforms, that's exciting. On the flip side of that, this morning, Google, the Alphabet, is holding an event for their, um, they've been working on BARD, which is their, you know, language model here. Um, and it didn't do so hot. And the fact that this stock is down seven and a half percent, guy, and we know that they've been making investments into some um, competitors to chat GPT. It's really interesting that there's been huge market cap moves in these big names. We also talked about C3 AI the other day. There's a lot of stuff going on. Is this bullish behavior in some of the biggest names that you're seeing these sorts of market cap moves? I, I no, I, I don't think that stocks of that this size should move the way they're moving in terms of what does it mean for the broader market. But you know, just if you want to get granular for a second, yeah, you're right. The move in Microsoft, I think it got down to two thirty-two and change on the back of that earnings release in the ensuing day. I mean, so that stock has rallied some thirty-five or so dollars, seemingly in four or five trading days, which is pretty remarkable. But I also think what's going on here is people saying, you know what, if Microsoft's going up against Google, which I think to a certain extent, that's, you know, that's what the point we're trying to make. Microsoft is going to win and Google is not trading. Just put up that Google chart. I mean, this is not a company that's traded particularly well at all. Yeah, it's bounced a little with the broader market, but man, oh man, it just can't get its act together. So when you start thinking about some of the problems they're having in search, some of the ad stuff that's going on, I mean, you know, Google, although you can make a very compelling case on valuation, I mean, maybe it's cheap for a reason. Yeah. You know, listen, I, I'd say this, you know, if Google was back at that $90 level, which it wasn't too long ago there, um, you know, I think you start dollar cost. If you don't own this thing, I think you start dollar cost averaging. If it comes back quickly before a lot of mega cap tech, I think it's discounting what their capabilities are going to be in this, you know, AI and the integration into their search functionality. And then across all their productivity suites, when you think about, you know, Gmail and the like, I had a great conversation yesterday on OK Computer with the illustrious Deirdre Bosa. She's the co-host of Tech Check Debo from CNBC. So we talked a lot about all of this. And I also had Gene Munster. He is a deep water asset management right now guy that's no longer loop ventures we talked a little bit about this so google's one that i want to start picking at um and i actually think a great pairs trade right now might be the short microsoft long google but on that note let's bring them in yeah but and and let's bring them in yeah. but a couple things that, wasn't deep yeah. water the name of the band in almost famous Stillwater. Stillwater, deep water. Stillwater and, runs I, I, I want to pull up William Jameson here. I don't know if this is Twitter. I don't know what the hell this is yeah. in the comments section. And he's right. William says Alan Iverson is the true AI. And that is so true. Yeah. Alan Iverson obviously nicknamed the answer. And I will well, just tell you, know, you, one of the most exciting basketball players I've ever seen. Back to you, Dan. You know, Steven, who works with us here, um, and he, I, I think it was born, I don't know, he's probably 20-something years old. On his screensaver of his iPhone is Alan Iverson. Stop his, it. Yeah, he's got that doing his like little crossover. All right, Carter Braxton Worth. Sorry about that. I mean, I, oh, look at him. He's he's just like giving up. He's just like, <laughs> you know what? I'm here. I'm going to do the charts. I'm going to talk to you guys. I'm going to say you Audi. Not here. He's not here for the answer. Okay. Uh, not here for the answer. Yeah. How you doing, man? <laughs> good. Good. Just, By the way, I, you know, saw you this morning on, I saw you this morning on the Squawk Box. 
Squawking uh, friend. And I, and I love how Joker, you know, everybody's a genius in retrospect, but basically saying, you know, it was so obvious to him that he should have been buying Facebook or everybody should have been Netflix. buying Facebook below 200 or where, yeah, down in the 185 area. I, uh, well, if he, he should watch this uh, podcast, yeah, it, some of the Netflix calls out. and Uber calls, but uh, anyway, it's all good. Um, so what are you, uh, what's your best guess here? I mean, he, one of the things he asked me, you know, you know, and it's always such a academic exercise, well, where do you think the market will be higher or lower at the end of the year? My first thought was, that's a long time, Joe. And he goes, not really. I said, well, when you get to be our age, not really, but it is. I mean, and, and then I, I have a phrase and I'll just repeat this. I said it on air and I've said it to clients for 30 years, uh, big people running 20, $30 billion, uh, mutual fund themselves. I said, listen. When they ask me things like that, I said, if you could tell me where the market will close tomorrow, I'll come work yeah. for you. I'll come work <laughs> for you. And they laugh every time. Because, look, it's not knowable. But what we can do is apply our tools, use some rules, and try to uh, generate alpha. Carter, what are you thinking here? Um, you, you heard what I just said uh, about Microsoft. I mean, look at the move Microsoft's had. And I, I think this last, like, call it $10, $15 really is about this kind of open AI, this chat GPT mm -hmm. announcement, the excitement around it. And then if you look at on, on the flip side, you know, Google today down nearly 8%. On, at 8%, they held the same sort of meeting that Microsoft had yesterday. And Microsoft's went well and rallied 4.5%. And this stock is down 8%. So in market cap terms, they're about, they're, the one is given back what the other gained. And these are two of the biggest companies in the market. What is this sort of price action at this stage of the rally telling you a little bit? Well, I mean, I think the, the, the price action is idiosyncratic, right? Obviously, Google had some sort of news and it's causing the sell-off and Microsoft has said things that people like. The, the, the big issue is, is this really, is either one in a better position now than it was, let's say, four or five weeks ago to help the market. I would say they're both in worth, worst position, meaning Microsoft's a lot of potential has been exploited. Microsoft is up a lot over the past five, six weeks. And Google, on the other hand, which was up a lot, has now had a, a hit to the body. There's a hole in the boat, right? And there's water coming in. So that neither of these two players can be counted on, I would say, here and now, to put points on the board, the board being the S&P. Right. Yeah. And so it speaks to, you know, for the S&P to go higher, you need individual constituents to go higher. And as you look over the board, let's take Tesla. It's now a double off the low, 100, 200. Is that really in a position to press higher? And as you go through that exercise with a lot of individual stocks, whether it's cyclicals or certain energy names, which are kind of stalling, I just don't see where you get points from players that move the score. Yeah. Um, you know, the other one I'll just mention is Amazon is is leaking also um, and acts very mm -hmm. similar to Google. And so I really feel like, and guys made this point a number of times in the last week. I mean, Microsoft's quarter was not great and the guidance was not great. And and this this little GBT, this little chatbot thing, I really feel like it kind of bailed them out a little bit. And then, you know, throw Apple in there, not great quarter, not great guidance. You know, it just feels like none of them are in shape to help out from here on. All right, listen, you have a couple of relationships you want to look at um, within tech, and this kind of might help us kind of think about what the next move is. We have earnings for the most part behind us. Guys mentioned on a couple of occasions, uh, February 22nd, NVIDIA, and that's going to be a really important one. But, um, you know, that's kind of the last of the big tech companies. Talk to us about what you're looking at. You're looking at hardware versus software. You're looking at FANG versus sure. SOC. Well, one of the things you you said, that the, the ones that are a little bit 
leaky, right, would be Amazon and Google and to, and to some extent uh, Apple, though it's been firm, versus the really extraordinary moves in Meta, extraordinary moves in a Tesla or NVIDIA, um, uh, so forth. And so there is some relationship charts, ratio charts we can look at, up to and including FANG versus um, tech. But here is um, from the October low in the, in the market. And you can see that it's, to some extent, it's a beta trade. Well, the first thing is beta. Semis are beta. And the second thing is FANG is dominated, right, by um, the biggest weighting is Meta. And, and then it's Tesla. And NVIDIA is in the top 10. I mean, for instance, I think it's Meta, Tesla, NVIDIA, and AMD are 45% of FANG. And Apple and Microsoft and Google are 27. So it's a, it's a weightings issue, which gets to... The move we've seen in communications, right? It's net, it's Netflix, it's Google. I think that's all quite overdone. And so, at this point, um, from my seat, I think you fade the most extreme things within tech, and I think you fade tech generally relative to the market. But let's look at a, a couple uh, ratio charts. Now, this is a long time to be fair, uh, but what it's trying to show is the relationship between tech a part of the market, and the whole, the market. And you can see, and it's not random, tech recovered all of its relative losses and stopped to the penny. Those circles, check that out. That's the 99 peak. We literally kissed it. If you combine those first two charts, put the circles in, that's not random. And so all of the losses associated with the dot-com, relative losses, were recouped and it stopped dead cold. It's kind of a pair of twos here, with my hunch being a bias to the downside. And there's one way to draw the lines. Can we get all the way down to that upward sloping trend line? If we tighten it up, look at the next one. You could do that. So you could do two back and forth there. Let's toggle. Um, you know, do you move, you know, but basically, I think sideways to down relative captures a lot of the odds for for this circumstance. Yeah, and you, you would think, given the move to that level, now the move, the subsequent move to that trend line, that uptrend line, to, regardless of how you draw it, should be relatively quickly, I would imagine. Again, given the magnitude of some of the some of the stocks, the underlying equities that comprise this thing, Carter. Right, so there's never been a real, Amazon has had uh, sort of cataclysmic drops, right? Mm -hmm. More than once. We saw 20% Day in Amazon within the last six six months to the downside. Apple's never had one of those. Microsoft, you know, were you to get that kind of thing out of an Apple, you know, it'll 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 be the thing that would take generally this area of the market lower. Apple has never, maybe they can massage their earnings forever, their buyback program, but you, there's never been that kind of trouble, Amazon type trouble, in Microsoft or Apple. <coughs> if and as that kind of thing happens, you will get further relative deterioration. Um, yeah. We might have another, uh, I'm not sure what else. Yeah, we do. We, we actually have the New York Fanging Index versus the yeah, this one. Group. This one's fun, I think. Uh, what this is, is a ratio chart too. And so ratio is just one thing divided by another. And one could say, so what? But what it depicts, it's not the, 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 oh, the y-axis. It's not where you are. It's simply the line. If the line is rising, it means that Fang is outperforming QQQ. If the line is declining, Fang is underperforming. And so if you put in the 100-moving average, which you see here, and look at the way I've annotated this. Let's toggle off, on with the arrows. And I put a question mark on that last one. If you were just to plot this, this ratio chart is higher above the 100-moving average at any point in the past decade. 
And we know why, right? Because Meta and Tesla are the two biggest weightings in the FANG at basically 23%, equal to Apple, Microsoft, and Google bringing up the rear. And so actually at this point, I would bet on Apple, Microsoft, Google as a basket long relative to Meta and Tesla as a basket. All right, fair and NVIDIA, which is, so here's the actual, the top three stocks in FANG are weighted right now as follows. Meta's 12.9, Tesla's 10.8, and NVIDIA's 10.8. So you're talking about 35% in those three versus 27 in Apple, Microsoft, Google. I'd rather yeah. go with the latter, the sort of bigger, sleepier, but maybe at this point, uh, not as risky because of the ricochets in Meta, Tesla, NVIDIA. Yeah, no, I think Guy and I are both in that camp. I am position. We're going to talk about Tesla in a second because I am in a lot of pain with this one, and I really thought this $200 level would be it. But real quickly, Car uh, Carter, let's look at um, Disney here. Reporting after the close, um, the stocks had you know, a 30% rally, literally closed on the low of the year last year. I mean, if we could throw this one up here, a one year, and, you know, like, look at how the calendar turns, and you have this sort of move, and I get it. People want to be bullish on, on, on Disney. I, guy, I remember back in November, it had that huge gap after earnings, right? Mm -hmm. A really disappointing quarter. Then they bring um, Bob Iger back in. The stock kind of gets back on its horse a little bit, but then it makes a new 52-week low. And you look at this thing, I just think there's a lot of enthusiasm in there. And if you look at some of these other names okay i get it like netflix has had that huge rally spotify has had a huge rally some of the um other um you know media names have had big rallies here this one just feels like if i'm Iger and i just came in and i know you don't care about this sort of stuff carter but i'm not setting the sites too high here for the balance of the year i want to kind of put out some, some guidance that i can make um guy first what what's your take on that um, relative to where the stock has gone in, in five or six weeks or so. And then, Carter, love to hear what you think. About yeah, this. I mean, I think we collectively thought, given that sell-off, and, you know, when the stock had in both an 80 and a 90 handle, we thought, all right, here's where you start to accumulate and stuff. But this move, especially this little, this latest move to current levels, a lot of it's, I think, predicated on what's going on with Netflix. And it just, I think the market's just making a bit of a leap here. But I will tell you, I think Netflix is just, in that segment, it's just a better company than Disney. So I happen to think Disney's got a little bit ahead of itself. I think Mike Coe was on last night and he thought there could be further upside in terms of what he was seeing with the options. I think we do a back and fill the moving average, the 200 day moving average. So if I have been long the stock, which I wasn't, but if you're sitting here long the stock in earnings, this to me, and I said it about Facebook, it was wrong, but this to me is a name. You got to take some money off the table into the number. Carter thoughts. Very hard one, right? I mean, because it it, it there's been a there's been a big move as you guys are discussing right now, and that uh, cannibalizes to some extent, not necessarily fully, the upside potential were there to be a news related pop. Now, the Iger thing, you know, while that doesn't play into my thing, there are two ways to look at that. Just hearing what you said, meaning he has little incentive to what. Um, promise big things he is incentive to sort of downplay it and yet at the same time does he really want a big drop and gap in his stock on, on his first go after he's taken the helm back and not Good that he's point. looking at a chart and he cares about drops and gaps but i my hunch is to be long small present into the number but small and then yeah. uh take take measures after if it's wrong just yeah. get out 
just 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 to be clear, the implied move in the options market is about seven dollars in either direction. That's about six and a half percent or so. Um, that's a big implied move. Last quarter, that stock gap down thirteen percent in November, made a new fifty-two week low here. Um, you know, I, I'm just hard pressed to see any like magical, um, you know, results in, in just such a short period of time and hear more about strategy and about how they're going to kind of, kind of probably, you know, cut some costs, chop some wood and, and probably have a more sustainable path towards profitability in that streaming unit. And, and again, that to me probably comes from lower levels. All right. Last thing here, I mentioned my Tesla pain here. Um, you know, it felt a lot worse a lot worse um, being short this thing as it's rocketed. You know, I'm down about 10% um, in my position. Um, I've averaged in. Uh, it doesn't feel good. I'm getting kind of probably too big for my britches in this one. But Carter, help me here, man, because look at this thing. It's right at that kind of breakdown level, you know, or, or, you know, that level in kind of early December that saw the stock fall from 200 to 101 in, in a month. And here it is back up $100 nearly in a month. Um, is that resistance line that we drew, is that even that range even important? And does this thing have a date with its 200-day? I know the 150-day that you look at is probably a little bit lower. Thoughts mm -hmm. here on the chart? Because 150 you know. is at 220. Um, but it is a – look, it's a, it's a big move, sure. Um, and I think if you put it in the context of the preceding price action, what, what, what could we say? It has had an epic run-up. That's incontestable. It had an epic collapse, and now we've had an equally epic ricochet. One, two, three. Great run-up, great collapse, and a 100% rebound off the low. Um, it's a V. It's not a U, and Vs are, while they do exist, they're rare, but then the ones that do exist, uh, they peter out at some point. And so you rallied to a very difficult level, and it's where it's not a, some magic thing. It's just where supply comes into mm -hmm. play. Overhead supply, people who bought poorly, not their fault, we've all done it, who then now have recouped great losses, look to take their money back. And remember, that's only one half of the supply, that IEP supply from above, people who bought poorly, who are getting out, wanting to be made whole. There's also supply from below. Whoever it is, dumb luck or, or genius or, or whatever, the most hapless uh, you know, E-Trader or George Soros himself, when you buy something at 100 and they flip the cards over and show you 200, in a matter of weeks, people want to book it. They're like, I should grab this. This is crazy. I just made a fortune. I was just gambling anyway. I don't know anything about Tesla. So a tough level. I would I would stick with your short. Stock has rallied 30% since just earnings. Uh, you know, and that was not, in my opinion, an earnings release to have you know the the magnitude of the move that we've seen, but listen, I get it. That's the environment that we find ourselves in. And real quick, Carter, before you five thousand, I mean, we're still seeing meme stock moves. We're still seeing m multiple percentage moves in companies that, quite frankly, shouldn't move that way. Is that in, what is that indicative of, if anything? I would suggest it's certainly not indicative of a bottom um, by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I mean, look, it, it is a casino in many ways. You, you know, the bed, bath and beyond traded two times the shares outstanding. I mean, you, you can't even get your mind around numbers like that. Um, and so animal spirits, whatever the, 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 the sort of idioms are, uh, are still there. And it's, um, it's everything. It's Carvana. You see it every, every day. Um, it, it just, yeah, it doesn't feel as though you've had, you need, what do you need? You don't need anything. But typically when you get to a real bottom, you have people who 
it's what it's really called the self-loathing, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, I don't like this. I don't like myself doing this. I've lost money. I'm hiding it from my spouse or I can't believe I used the mortgage payment. We haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> Some would say fear and loathing, Dan, which I, th I think was a good movie back in the day. Um, Carter Braxton, I love the fact that I pulled out that deep water, still water, whatever the hell it was. was Dan, Dan loves that movie. I love that movie for one reason. I think most of the folks can probably tell you what it is, but that's neither here nor there, because that's it, Dan, for Market Call, unless you want to opine on one further thing. Yeah, no, just one thing. I'll just say the last thing is that I know a lot of Tesla bulls are really focused March 1st in Austin. They're hosting an analyst day. You know, Elon's going to keep tweeting about it, and that's going to keep the people all geeked up about it. And, and you know, man, oh, man, I mean, that would be painful if we get to that 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 declining 150-day, which would be another 10% from here, 220 uh, I'm in it to win it. I think that, you know, I, I'm not really sure what can happen given the guidance that they just gave there. Um, but it's, this is dicey, man. I mean, the NASDAQ feels like it wants to roll yet. This thing is just bid. And, and on the same thing, your NVIDIA's bid here. It's like the cultiest mm -hmm. stocks, whether they're the crappiest names, like the meme things you just mentioned, or the ones that people are just dug in like the Tesla, they just, they, you know, they, they just continue to confound and I'll leave it at that. They say a picture's worth a thousand words. Chris Sinclair uh, was commenting on the webinar we did at 11 a.m. And I don't know if we can pull that up or not. If we up, if you, there you go. Look at, see, Jacob is on his game. If you didn't catch it, go check out the Risk Reversal Show with Facts Set earlier today. I agree. I think it was excellent. Um, obviously, you can catch the replay. I don't want to say it's evergreen, but to a certain extent, uh, it is evergreen, so I think you really should drill down and listen. I want to thank, obviously, the great Carter Braxton Worth, who did appear on the Squawk and Friends this morning, but we've bid him, give him a bit of a pass to come on with us, as he knows. I want to thank our audience. Dan Nathan, we will be back tomorrow uh, with EY from SoFi. I want to obviously thank SoFi. I want to thank Backset. I want to thank everyone, because, Dan, that's what we do. Yeah, thanks everyone. We'll see you tomorrow with Liz. Thanks, Carter. Bye, guys.